Father, we thank you, Father, for today, Father. Thank you, Lord, that you just bless this message, Father, that you bless us on this day, Father. That we want to hear the word of the Lord, Father. We don't want to hear anybody's opinion, Father. We don't want to hear what we want to hear, Father. Many want to hear what they want to hear. Some of us like certain parts of Christ. Some of us, we say we'll eat the guts, but we'll only eat some of the guts. Oh, Father, I want to eat every part of you, Father. I don't want to leave anything out, Father. I want to hear every word, Father. I do not want to be like Ahab, Father, that told the prophet what he ought to prophesy, that, that, that rejected the prophet because he didn't speak what he wanted him to speak. But, Father, I want to hear the prophet, whether he speaks a good thing, an encouraging thing, or he speaks a rebuking thing, a correcting thing, Father. But if we are being corrected, it is because we are loved, Father. Father, let us not deny your correction, Father. Let us not deny your rebuke, Father. An open rebuke is better than hidden love, Father. Oh, Father, I drop every expectation right now. We all drop every expectation of what we want today and how we want it. This is not a McDonald's drive-thru. This is the word of the Lord. This is the kingdom of God. What thus saith the Lord is what thus saith the Lord, and that's it. There's nothing else to it. There's nothing more to add to it. There's nothing more to take from it. It is what it is. But it is life. And he promises that my words are life. And my words, they give peace to the soul. See, it doesn't matter what the words sound like, if they're hard or they're soft. If you receive them, these promises are to give you life to your soul. And, 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 and they cleanse your soul. You want God to cleanse the temple of your soul, but you don't want to hear the word of God. Because the word of God, when we receive it, even when it's aiming at things in us, when we let it aim at those things, it cuts out everything that's stealing my peace and joy and righteousness. Father, let your sword come in and not miss, because I let it miss. See, God's word does not miss, but we let it miss in our own life when we direct the sword another way, when we push it. See, some of us have the sword aimed straight for our heart, and we just maneuver it away from us, because we don't want it. We don't like to hear anything about us. We don't like to hear, we think it's all negative. Anything that's hard or anything that's, that's a correction or rebuke is negative. That's what the, the religious church does. Everything that is, is not of a love, a, a joy, a peace talk, a, a, the mercy of God. Everything else, it's all negative. But what's negative is what Satan speaks. See, in the world, it's what it sounds like is either positive or negative. But in the kingdom... No matter what it is, it is positive because it will change your life. But it's negative when it comes from the devil. See, it's not the devil when it's God convicting you or God rebuking you or God correcting you. That's positive because that's going to give me a positive outcome, which is life, joy, peace, righteousness in the Holy Ghost. But in the world, that's negative because it's not doesn't sound good. It doesn't feel good. The world goes by feelings and sounds. In the kingdom, we go by what is the bread of life coming from heaven. Not what it feels like, not what it sounds like. If we, start, if we keep listening to messages and hearing messengers or hearing voices based on what they feel like and what they sound like, we're, we're going to reject God because our flesh, your flesh is not going to like sometimes what God says. That's just a matter of fact, and that's what you've got to accept. And when your flesh is burning at that fire of God that comes, that's when you know. All right, now this is what needs to be purged. See, when God starts to put your flesh through the fire, sometimes it burns, but you need to let it burn and let it burn all down. Let, it bur let Him burn it down to the ground. Some things don't feel good, but they bring the God who is good in your life. 
I want the, I want the good God that's going, going to stop, correct me and rebuke me. And even if he has to do it openly, because people that he doesn't love, he lets them fall. He lets them go astray. But people that he loves, he makes sure that they don't go astray. And he will make sure that even if he has to do something openly or he has to do something that they don't like, he will make sure he saves them. Like your kids, right? If you don't want your kids to get to hang out with bad people because they'll become a bad influence, so sometimes you got to be hard on that. You got to be, hey, hey, like you need to be direct. And that's how, you, that's how you're going to help your kids, right? And now us in the world being more evil, how, how great is God who is not evil that is going to uh, keep us from bad influences and bad spirits and bad people and bad things? It's all love. But we need to change how we see it. And you guys were really on point. I guess you guys caught it by the Spirit. Because today's message is called Smash Your Idols. Smash Your Idols. But really, God was speaking to me all week. He was speaking to me that one scripture that it says, eating things, eating things sacrificed on the idols. And I had a dream and there was people, there was people like playing with idols and feeding each other idols. But God wants us to, to we, we, see, we don't understand these things. And God was even showing me a lot more about Jezebel. On Wednesday night, there was a spider, too, on my car. And, then, and God had just spoke to me about Jezebel, and then that spider was there right after he spoke to me about it. And he said, Jezebel can even move through good intentions. Jezebel can even move through people who are trying to get God to move, but because they're doing it in the flesh, they can actually get in the way of the Holy Spirit. See, when we minister in our own spirit, we're actually getting in the way of the Holy Spirit, and we can actually, in a sense, Jezebel the Holy Spirit. You can't really Jezebel God, but you can get in God's way in between the people and God. See, people, Jezebel moves, and she's a distraction. She's a flaunting. She's a, and I was reading about Balak and Balaam, and one of their ways to stop the Israelites was to send a seductive woman to them to, to get them off their course, to distract them. That was one of their ways that, that they were going to destroy the uh, Israelites. And it even says right here in Revelation 2, 12 through 17, And the angel of the church of Pergamos write, These things saith he which hath the sharp sword with two edges. See, the sharp sword with two edges. And even, I don't know if this is the, the scripture, I'll keep reading, but it even talks about another scripture where the sword that he, he says, if you do not repent, I, I will war with you with the sword that comes out of my mouth. What's the sword that comes out of his mouth? It's his word. See, sometimes God, there's things that we're not, that we're still holding on to and, th- and God lets, instead of letting the glory out, he lets the sword out. The sword brings the glory, actually, because the sword gets everything that is actually getting in the way because the glory of God doesn't manifest when there's holy and profane things. See, we look at the holy things, but what actually is, see, but what the sacrifice, right? It had to be perfect. It had to be without spot or blemish. So yeah, you got the sacrifice, but there's spot and blemishes on it. And if those are, not th- those are still there, the fire will not consume it. So the, the, the sacrifice still had to be pure for God to pour out his pure fire. And people want strange fire, and that's why they have spots and blemishes too. There's no, there's not going to be any manifestation of God if there's no cleansing from God. He cleans the house and then he fills the house. Like that scripture that says that, and they clean the house, but then because, and then the house was swept clean and it was empty, but then seven more came back. See, it needs to be clean, but it also needs to be now occupied. To occupy the house, though, it needs to be cleaned. 
See, we're not... We're growing in this cleansing. We're, grow, we're growing in this purification and sanctification. But there's things where God's like every season, God's like, all right, I'm nailing this. Are you going to get with it or are you not? If you resist, then I'm going to resist you. See, like right now, we're in a season where God's smashing idols. And there might be some things that have been there for a while that God was winking at. Even the Bible says that, that there was a time where God winks at. Why? Because on the other eye, he's not winking. He's looking at something else and he's aiming at things one by one and, and throwing swords at them. But he's not, see, he's not dealing with that yet and he's having some grace on it and he's not coming against you because he's not, you're not ready. He's not ready to nail that. He's nailing something else. And you'll even see if you read the book of Revelation and there'll be a couple mentions here where it said, you've done this well, you've done that way, but I have this against you. See, we think just because we get right with God in one part of our life, we think that every part's fine. Oh, wow, I finally overcame this. Okay, now, good. But why are you having this problem? Because you do this. Why are you having that problem? Because, you, because you, you're allowing this in your life. You're, allow, you're tolerating that. So we have to get, it's, it's God is trying to get us an order in every, every aspect, every part of our life. That way we can be pleasing to Him in fullness. Some of us may be pleasing. See, we're pleasing to Him because of the works of the cross, but now we need to be pleasing to Christ with our heart. And God was showing me too that our heart, when our heart is positioned right, that's when he, he's pleased. And, then, and even God started to show me that when he starts to, you, you, he starts, we start to know that God's pleased with us when he starts to pour out his presence on us. God reacts to things. He doesn't just say, I'm pleased with you and leave you dry as a bone. He, he says, I'm pleased with you by releasing his presence. So today we need to actually be willing to get our hearts right so that he can be pleased with us and pour out, and, uh, pour out his presence. He doesn't just pour out his, our, his presence because, oh, everything's good. Just make, make yourself feel good and he'll pour out. No, get that thing out of the way. Have no idols before him and he will show mercy to you. And there's even this one interesting scripture that I want you to think about too that I was meditating on. I'm like, wow. And even Jonah 2.8, it says this. They that observe vanities, or you can even say idols because van- what are vanities even? We're going to get deep into idols. And some of you guys even nailed it in prayer. But vanity, right? It's like, oh, what I look like. It's all about Saul, like, right? Saul was into vanity. He was, oh, what do I look like in front of the people? It wasn't about what do I look like in front of God right now. It's all about the flesh. It's all about, oh, I'm doing all these things because I want to make a legacy for myself. I want to show, show my own glory, like that song. It's all about your glory. You're getting it. That's, vanity is getting God's way, and it's actually an idol before God. They that observes... And it says lying vanities too. And it's all, it's all lies because you've created your own little Babylon tower that God was, is going to tear down anyway. Why is it a lie? Because you were made in the image of God and you're making yourself in the image of something else that you create of your own creation. They that observe, this is Jonah 2.8, they that observe lying vanities forsake their own mercy. Forsake their own mercy. Or you can even say, because what is the mercy? The mercy, mercy of God is God's love shed abroad. When, when we were yet sinners, God shed his love on us. So you can even say, they that observe lying vanities forsake God's love for their own life, even. When, we, when we're, it's all about us, it's, we get in the way. God wants to have, God, see, sometimes because we don't like what we see in ourselves, we try to portray ourselves as something else. We try to become this other person. We put a mask on in the spirit and... 
We try to pretend to be this guy that's got it together. We try to make successes to acclimate us, to make us look good. We try to do things so people can be like, wow, he's, on, he's amazing or she's amazing or blah, 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 blah. But God says they're lying vanities. And, but the root cause was you didn't like how you originally looked. So instead of letting God have mercy on all, on, on all that that was on you and cleanse you from it, because see, when God showed me, when he has mercy, he doesn't just say, okay, forgiven in the book. No, God, it says that the blood washes you as white as snow. So not only when he actually forgives you, he doesn't just say, okay, I'm going to let it go. No, now he says, when I forgive you, I'm going to cleanse you. Forgiving you is, is letting it go, letting, getting, he gets it, he actually cleans you, your heart when he forgives you. It's not just, I forgive you, but I still feel tormented. No, there's a cleansing power to forgiveness. Back to Revelation 2. I know thy works, and where thou dwellest, even where Satan's seat is, thou holdest fast my name, hast not... See, look, all these good things they're doing. Pergamos. They're right by Satan's temple, holding fast to his name. They didn't deny the faith. Even in those where in Antipas was my faithful martyr who was slain among you. Even a, a, they even had a martyr in their church. Many churches, in, most churches in America don't have no martyrs at all. They don't even have spiritual martyrs that are going out there and giving their life. Who was slain among you where Satan dwelleth. But I have this against you. See? Oh, good. You're doing, you're, yeah, you're doing that. Works of charity, this, that, and the third. You're, you even have a martyr to your name. But I have these few things against you. Because thou hast there them that hold that doctrine of Balaam. See, there's them amongst you. See, we're one body now. So some of us might be pleasing to God and some of us might not be pleasing to God. And therefore, that, what, that might even be what can even be the result of why there could be no corporate anointing sometimes in some places. Because together we need to be pleasing with God. And together when we're pleasing to God, there's an outpouring of his presence on all of us. So we need to think when we're a part of a corporate body, we're a part of the corporate manifestation of his presence. See, that's why it says our life is not our own now. Now we, what, everything we do, whether in secret or in public, we're doing it for the body of Christ. That way the body of Christ can experience the glory of God when we're amongst each other. See, what you do at home matters all the bit what, what happens here or what happens in your church, on YouTube. Whatever you do, it affects the body's, what happens with the body and the outpouring of heaven and the manifestation thereof and the atmosphere. So when you think of what you're doing, don't think it's just hurting. You know it's hurting your neighbor. It's hurting the, the body because you are one part with the body. You're the arm, but you're like, oh, okay, at least the elbow is not, good, is not bad. At least the hand is good. At least the, 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 here's the arm looking at every part of the body. Oh, look how healthy. But then the virus in the arm starts to spread to the elbow, the hand, and the whole body. But the whole body, see, you, never, you ever had like something hurt, but your whole body reacts to it? And your whole body is like kind of suffering. And even there's some, there's some injuries that people even start, their whole body starts to get sick from it or start to get, I, I, there's even, someone was even talking about one time how like even certain injuries can trigger fevers. And what happens when you have a fever? Your whole body comes under that, that feverish feeling, right? That, feel, that weak thing, your whole body gets weak, but it's just, it's just right here, what's going on? It's a big deal. But because the whole body needs to operate together, 
And, and, even, and now, therefore, even more in Christ, how much more does God not want one bad apple to spoil the bunch? He wants that to get that thing in order. Paul, everywhere Paul went, every church he went, he made sure he addressed what was going on, even if it was just a few people, individuals. Paul didn't just address things because it was a church-wide thing. Like when he went to Corinth, he didn't address it because the whole church was doing it. He, he said, these people are spots in your feast. When they bring in what they're doing into the atmosphere, when they're doing what they're doing and they're a part of you, now what you allow in you, you're now allowing in your brother. That's what God told me one time. He said, what you do is now, what you allow in yourself is what now you are allowing in your brothers and sisters. Because we share one atmosphere, we share one body. So now that thing is being brought in amongst the brethren, crept in unaware spirits, things, words that we even hear from outside that are not of God. We bring them to the body and then it starts to come out in conversation. It starts to come out in regular things. And then the whole body hears it. And then that's why you got watchmen, because watchmen see things and they nail them and say, no, the body's not going to suffer from this thing. But I have these, I have a few things against thee, because thou holdst that doctrine, hold that doctrine of Balaam, who taught Balak to cast a stumbling block before the children of Israel. And Balaam and Balak, Balak called for Balaam and wanted him to come. And Balaam was a prophet. And he wanted him to come and prophesy. He said, I know that whatever you say, Balaam, that whatever you say, that if you say something's cursed, it'll be cursed. If you say something's blessed, it'll be blessed. I see these Israelites. I want you to curse them. And, God's, and, and the God came to him and told him, no, don't go with these men because men were sent to get him and bring him to the king, to Balak. But then there was this one response he ended up having. After God told him no, and then he told the people, then they came again and then he said, Unless he gives up, gives me all of his gold and his riches. See, it was for gain. But forget. See, and then people are preaching, doing this in the church. They're preaching the doctrine of Balaam. Doing things, teaching th people to do things for gain. We don't do things for gain. We're supposed to be, we're made to be content with, with we're, we're supposed to have godliness with content. See, when there's, when we get content outside of godliness, we start to only get content if we have things or we have what we want or not even just physical gain, but even gain of supremacy, gain of, of being seen, gain of being a top notch wherever you work or wherever, whatever you're part of. You want to be the big guru around. That's all gain. And we start to actually feed each other. See, that's an idol, though. God showed me, started to show me how a lot of these things are idols. Even when they carved images of idols, right? There was, it makes it look like, see, in the world, they carve images of idols and they serve that wooden god or whatever they, whatever they do. But really, God started to show me that really, the idol is themselves because they make a god in their own image. So make, that god is not a, some separate god they make because they heard some voice. They're making this god that they've come up with that will attend to their wants and desires and intentions and they make it, but really, the wood statue is not the god, they're the god. The, the wood statue is something that they're saying, oh, it's some God that's going to bless me. And, the, and they put this imaginary thing in their mind that this wood God will bless them, but it's because they have this hopes that their lusts will be fulfilled. See, a lot of these people made their own gods. Now, then you have people that come later on and they inherit these gods. And maybe they didn't come up with it on their own, but the people that made the gods, they made it according to their likeness. 
See, God made us according to our, uh, his likeness. And now we're really the God because we're making these, these, these idols according to our likeness, what we want, our lusts. So when we have idols in our life, really, you're the idol. What you, what you like out there, the things that you idol, have idolization of, people, things, places, it really goes back down to you being the idol because it pleases you. Because we're supposed to be pleasing God, right? We're supposed to be living for God, a, a living, pleasing sacrifice on the Lord, doing what He wants day in and day out. But because these things that we like, they, they feed our flesh. They, they, it feels pleasing to our soul. So we like certain things or we see certain people and we like their lifestyles and we want their lifestyles. It's idolatry, obsession with things, inordinate affections. Repent. So hast thou also them that hold the doctrine of the Nicolaitans, which thing I hate. Repent or else I will come unto thee quickly and I will fight against them with the sword in my mouth. He that hath ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith to the churches. To him that overcome will I give to eat of the hidden manna. See, I want to eat of the hidden manna, so I gotta, we've got to crash down our idols today. We've got to smash them to pieces that we can start to hear from God. Oh, I'm going to get into something deep, too, in a second. I want to read the scripture first before I talk about it. And we'll give him a white stone, and in the stone a new name written, which no man knoweth, saving he that receiveth it. See, he that have an ear. Do you have an ear to hear what the Spirit is saying today? Or do you not like what the Spirit is saying because it's too hard? We're going to get into that prophet, Micaiah, I think it's Micaiah, too. That, the prophet that didn't get received because the king didn't like what he had to say. See, we need to be, you know, you can, God told me two things. That you know you can receive whatever God says, no matter how hard or soft it is, when you can be corrected directly. When you have to be corrected and people have to maneuver, uh, yeah, you know, I kind of was seeing this. Then you know that you, that's kind of a sign that you kind of might, have, you don't like correction, probably. So people have to, all right, hey, don't, no offense here. But when you can take it directly and repent and not fight against it, then you know you can receive correction. You want to know, I can, I, I can receive correction. Well, then when somebody brings the hammer down, why do, you, why do you go crazy? Why do you resist? Why do you resent? Why do you, so I'm not saying we're all there. I'm not even saying I'm there. I'm just saying that's where we need to get. That seems like a superficial reality, but the Bible says it's reality. It says a wise man loves, loves it. Do you love it? Well, you don't love it because you're your own idol. Because an idol is supposed to, a deity is supposed to be perfect, right? And you're your own idol, so you want to be seen as perfect. You want to be seen as this God, like Absalom, wants to be already crowned king before he's even king. Maybe that's why Absalom did what he did, not even because he wanted to... He was trying to, he was even Jezebeling his father because his father, David, if you didn't know, Absalom is the son. David was the father. David did have children. And Absalom was called to be the next king. But there was something that happened and somebody got raped and it was a sibling. And, and David didn't do anything about it. Or not that, I mean, who knows his heart, right? Maybe he was just trying to figure a, a wiser way, like a Solomon-type wisdom to deal with it instead of just bringing the hammer down on somebody. So David didn't do anything ahead of it, and then Absalom started talking to people outside the gates, and then a strange voice came and said, why don't you become king, and why don't you do this? Why don't you take over? Your father's not obviously doing it right. So Absalom is actually even an image of Jezebel, even because it tries to take, it's a takeover spirit. 
and wants to come in and say, well, I don't like, and it's, and it might even be good intentions. Well, I don't like, I, I feel like this is not right. And it may not even be right. But when you come out of order in God's government, like Korah, right? Korah also tried to Jezebel, uh, Moses even. He tried to come against and come with these sly words and say, well, we all can hear from God, right, Moses? Manipulation. To ch- emotional, it actually spurs emotional witchcraft because Moses could be like, uh, well, that is true. And he could forget his calling to lead the Israelites. It doesn't matter if you can hear God. There's still a government of God. So Korah comes, tries to take, but really, what did Korah have? It was really all idolatry because he just wanted to be in Moses' position. See, really, most sins, God was telling me this morning, that most sins all come down to idolatry, really. Because what is sin? It's about pleasing yourself. It's about making yourself look good. It's about basically you over others or you over God. That's why it says these two things are the two commandments that fulfill all the commandments. Love God with all your heart, mind, and soul. That means there's no, there's no room for any other God there. There's no room for you there. It's love God with all your heart, mind, and soul. And love your neighbor as yourself. So in other words, as you would treat yourself is how you would treat the neighbors. And there's a whole other revelation about that. And what you, do for you, what you do do to yourself and how you react to things and for yourself is actually how you will do with others. But that's a whole other thing. I don't want to get off on that. But what is it? Love. Love God with all your heart, mind, and soul. So when we start to love ourselves more than that, that's idolatry. Not love yourself in the sense of not take care of myself. Yes, you need to do that. But when, it's all, when the focus is all about making your name great, when it's all about you, when it's all about what you have to say, what you want to say, you're feeding yourself. You're feeding your idols. Revelation 2, 18 through 24. See, the idols are, are going to get smashed, but you need to not feed them or else they get bigger and bigger. And greater and greater does your eyes focus on it because it's some, some, some are some, if you want to look at it in this sense, we're just called the smasher idols, but there's always self there, right? That still needs to be crucified. So it's like, if you want to look at it in this sense, it's like you got God here and you got self there and slowly but surely you're smashing it and it's getting smaller and smaller and smaller and soon it's getting the pieces and pieces and pieces. But as you start to feed that idol, it's more like you're building it up, building it up building it up, building it up. And when it's so big, it's so hard to focus on Jesus because yourself is so in the way. It's like Jesus is over here, but oh my God, that thing is huge. I really love myself. And it's a hindrance. Self-loathing, self-vanity. Revelation 2, 18-24, And unto the angel of the church of Thyatira write these things, saith the Son of God, who hath his eyes like unto a fire. I think I've said this before, but like unto a fire, well, who is the fire? God is the fire. So when I focus on God, my eyes start to become like eyes of fire. Why is his eyes like eyes of fire? Because he's all about his, what his father wants. He's all about what his father does, and he all, he's all about what his father's, father says. Maybe his ears are even on fire. But I want to be on fire, so I need to focus on Jesus. So what did Jesus have to do to be on fire? He needed to focus on his father and not even his own self, even though he himself was God. He himself just demonstrated what it looks like to serve God, even though he himself was God. And he could have easily served himself because he's God. But he didn't because he was showing you what the image of God and what the image of following God looks like. 
I don't do anything. I don't even, he said, I don't even judge on my own judgment. Although if I did, this is what he says. I'm saying it in my terms, not my terms as in context terms, but as in, you know, my not on etiquette terms. If I did judge, though, it would still be just. So he could still judge. He could still call out people's things and this, that, and the third. It would be right. But he still submitted to his father. How many times did you see things people were doing and things that were happening? You could have easily judged and it would be right, but you didn't. Because you only speak when God does. Because you only judge something when God does. Because God sees the greater purpose in the situation. And sometimes God doesn't even want you to say anything because he already did say something. Sometimes he's letting people go and he's just like, you're wasting your breath, son, trying to do that. Or sometimes he's going to correct people on his own. He doesn't need you. Sometimes God doesn't need a messenger every single minute. Sometimes the Holy Spirit's coming and they're receiving and that's good enough. You don't need to come and add insult to injury, but we do because, well, I saw this. I got to get it out. But you need to work with God. See, we always want to be like that message. We want to be used by God. But when we work with God, we start to... We start to see what God's doing, and we say, okay, I don't have to do that. He's doing that. But then God's like, okay, I need you to do this now. And it's like we're working, you know, like back and forth, side by side, getting the job done, getting the bride ready for the bridegroom. But really, the bridegroom is getting his own bride ready, but he's doing it through his body. You know, in the, when, in the marriage, you have a whole team. And I've always seen that even as the fivefold ministry you know, like the whole makeup team and you got the dress person and this person and that. You got the apostle, prophet, evangelist, teacher, getting things ready. The prophet cleaning up the blemishes. The apostle coming out like, you know, you know, like the marriage director, like making sure everything's right, getting it right. You know, okay, this needs to be there. That needs to be there. Or you got the evangelist calling everybody to come to the feast. You got the teacher saying, okay, when you walk down the aisle, make sure you keep it looking right. And what's, what, what else did I miss? The pastor saying, oh, it's going to be a great wedding. It's, everything's going to be awesome. All right, let's get it together. You know, you have your five-fold ministry right there. But really, in the kingdom of God, God is operating through his five-fold minister. So even though God is not there in flesh, and when we marry him, even though technically in a way we are married to him if we're following him, when we marry him in eye-to-eye, face-to-face in heaven, at the, the, the marriage supper, that's, when, that's what we're getting prepared for right now. But right now, he's in spirit. Even though he will be physically then, he's in spirit getting his own bride ready. The bridegroom is making the bride look the way he wants. You ever seen a marriage? You know, some, some husbands are probably like, all right, I don't really like all the makeup they put on her. And maybe they could have done this a little better. Maybe they... You know, like the, the woman does everything, Pick, picks the dress, picks the makeup. They do the, sometimes, you know, some husband, I don't, you know, you, you can't, I bet you some husbands are like, ah, they would have done this a little better, that a little less. But see, God is working through us and he's making the bride look like what he wants it to. Not what we will for the bride to look like for God. He's moving through his people to make his own people look good for him, look like him. Because when he, really, when he's getting married, he's getting married to a mirror of himself. That's what a wife is supposed to be to a husband, and that's what the bride is to the bridegroom. A mirror to the husband. Because why? What did he say when he said, this is the mystery of marriage? See, I speak to you a deeper thing. You think I'm talking about marriage right now. I'm talking about a deeper thing right now than just marriage. Go read those marriage scriptures. 
And, but don't look at it just in the natural, because he was talking in the natural, but he was doing a double whammy there. He was talking about the natural and the spirit, saying, but I speak to you a greater mystery about the bride and the bridegroom, Christ and his bride. I know thy works in charity and service. Here's another one, Revelation 2, another church. What is this church? Thyatira. I know your works, your charity, your service, your faith, your patience. See, they had faith. They had patience. Some of us don't even have patience. They have patience. Thy works. Yeah, they were even doing the work. They were even pushing the plow. Holy cow, how could you be mad at these people? And the last to be more than the first. But I'm pushing the plow. Don't preach this. I'm pushing the plow. I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing, right? But I want you to do, I want it to all, I want it to be the fullness of Christ. Some of us just want parts of Christ. We want the fullness. That's why we keep preaching until we get to the full stature of Christ unto a perfect, be perfect for I am perfect, unto a perfect man. Not be perfect like dot my T's and dot my I's type perfect, but I'm talking about a perfect that we look like him in every aspect and walk like him. That's God's perfection. Not per perfect as in I talk right, as in I do this right, I do that right in the flesh, but I look like him. I sound like him. I think like him. That's the perfect man that God's making us into. Be perfect for I am perfect. My perfection, not the world's perfection of what perfection looks like. So don't, when somebody makes you have this image of, see, we're even carving our own perfection. That's why we have a perfectionist spirit because we've thought of in our mind, and that's an idol. That's an idol right there. Of in our mind how things should look in our life, how we should talk, how we should walk, how we should handle. If this happens, some of us, I'm telling you, we all do it. We, we sit in our, in our, on our own, on our alone time, and we're thinking, well, if this happens, I'm going to do this. If that happens, I'm going to do this. And right there, we're creating our own little perfect life right there. Oh, this is how I would act. Oh, when they see me doing this, I'm going to be like that. When they see me doing that, I'm going to be like this. You know, some people have an image of their life. I want to be the, the guy that's tough, you know, like get in order, man. And then some people have, I want to be the nice, gentle one that's loving and very, this is all idols because Christ is the image that we're supposed to be imaging ourselves to be. Christ is the one that we're supposed to be a copycat or another, what's that word I'm looking for? Like a clone, yeah, of. But we're trying to, we're saying, oh, the image of Christ, yes, yes, yes. But really in our mind, we have another image there. Some of us are talking about the image of Christ, but your image of Christ is not the image of Christ that may be the same one. But I see, I, I, I can't download this image to myself. It needs to be come from heaven, what God looks like. And we have this word to see what he looks like. And as the Spirit speaks more, see, we're still learning even what he looks like. I'm telling you, when you really get into the real deal, and out of religion, out of the system, Jesus looks a lot more different than you've always thought. Because some come in the system and they think, oh, he's love, he's love, he's, he's this, he's that, he's that. And some come from the legalists and they're like, God's hardcore, man. And they need that, there's a, see, then there's that balance. But see, they always get shocked at what God does. Like, I even see people on Facebook, when you say God winks at something, they're like, God doesn't wink, what are you talking about? Oh yeah, then why do you say it? And this, he's, there's literally a scripture that says it. But see, that's God's grace. That's the grace of God to get us. See, we don't frustrate the grace of God, but the grace of God works with us as God, knowing that we still have the old man shedding off and the new man we're coming into, we're working and we're going through the process of deliverance. We're being sanctified over time. But in legalism, it's like, you need to be right, right now, perfect, every aspect, or you're in sin. But 
See, a man knows what is sin if he knows what to do. Some of the, some of the things that God's going to nail in us two months from now, five months from now, two years from now, you probably won't even, you never mind even heard or might not have even saw, even though it might be right there on the pages. See, I'm getting this message even, God has convicted me of what idolatry really looks like because I had this concept of it, but now there's like this revelation of it. And now as I see this revelation of what it really looks like, now I can really be convicted of it when, I, when it's starting to put its head up. Now we're making things more aware of what pleases God and what doesn't please God. And there might be things that don't please God that might still be in us, but He's still pleased because we're working to that. But when, when he, like I said earlier, when he's saying, okay, now's the time this needs this, you see it now, now you see it, right? What a man knows is sin is sin. Now you see it. Now you need to hang it up on the cross. But some of us are good for a season with God. And then he comes at something that's real deep in us that we, oh, oh, he got me good. But now you have to nail it or else now you get, why you get in a bad place? Because now it's time to repent. You may not have seen it. Some of us beat ourselves. Well, how did I not see that in me? Well, you need to understand the grace of God that's working with you right now. Because there's going to be things that you, didn't, you don't see right now that you will see later that, that will. You will have to face that time where it's like, this has got to be nailed. We're going to go from shallow to deep. That's what we get. we're going. We're going deeper and deeper, deeper and deeper. In every aspect, in life and godliness, and also cleansing in the fuller soap. You can't, be, you can't clean a house, or let's say you have a bar of soap, well, let's say you have bathroom cleaner, and you're cleaning the bathroom, and it's so dirty everywhere, and it's like, you're cleaning the house, oh my God, this bathroom's never going to get clean, oh my God, this bathroom's so dirty, just keep cleaning it, it's going to get clean, man, just clean it. See, you started the work. That's what God's pleased with. God's pleased with, yeah, okay, your walls are dirty, but you're cleaning it. You're going to get there. Don't go be hard on yourself because you haven't gotten there yet. And some quit because, oh, well, this place is just too dirty. No, just keep cleaning, keep cleaning, keep cleaning. As soon as you know it, oh, wow, I just, there's just little specks right That's it. Are you sure? And then you start getting unsure with yourself because you're like, I, no, there's got to be some dirt somewhere. And you start looking, you start digging in yourself. Ah, what? No, that's not true. We get a second opinion. See, that's how we are because we get hard on ourselves too. Don't get hard on yourself. Get hard on your flesh and your idols. Smash them to pieces. But know if, when your heart's clean and when it's time to deal with your flesh. There's a difference. Notwithstanding, I have a few things against thee because thou sufferest that woman Jezebel. And I always, and I don't know who, who knows what or what knows or who knows what. But we always look at Jezebel as that control and manipulation, right? Jezebel is always the one that's always trying to take over, always trying, like we talked about a little earlier, always trying to manipulate to get her away. And that is Jezebel. But God started to show me another aspect of Jezebel that I really didn't see. And maybe I thought of it as something else. But watch this. You sufferest that woman Jezebel, which called herself a prophetess. And prophetess, right? Well, if it's a false prophetess or prophet, they're going to give, what did the prophets of old do? They always spoke with, not, not the prophets of old, the bad ones. I mean, I mean, the good ones, the bad ones. They always spoke presumptuously. They always spoke according to people's lusts. And actually, those prophets, God was telling me that they're feeding people's idols. When they speak according to their lusts, they're feeding, they're, 
they're feeding idols. And watch what it says here. Which calls herself a prophetess to teach and to seduce. What is seduction? To lure you into something. But in this case, it's not to lure you to God. It's to lure you to, to sin, to lust, to perversion. See, but don't think of sin and perversion as just because people are probably thinking right now, even on YouTube, like, well, I ain't sinning. I ain't sleeping with nobody. I ain't doing this. I ain't doing that. Well, guess what? God calls it spiritual adultery even when you partake in things that God doesn't even have you doing. Even when you're doing things or saying things, you actually have a perverse mouth when your mouth is not aligned with God. Your mouth, when you start to speak according to people's wants and man-pleasing, you have a perverse mouth. It's not just, oh, wow, look at that. Look at that person. Look at that. Look at that. Look. You know, it's not just lust. It's, it's, God calls it a perverse mouth when you're, when you're always speaking the people's flesh. Spiritual adultery. Or you, and you have a, a, a friendship with somebody and you have a weird negative, uh, familiar spirit with them and you're always man-pleasing each other. That's spiritual fornication even too. Because our relationships in the kingdom are supposed to be set apart. They're supposed to be holy. They're supposed to be of holy conversation, right? We think of holy conversation as, you know, orderly. Like, yeah, what'd you do today? You yeah. know, like that, that, that thing, like, holy. Like, I don't say edgy things like no he's even it's unholy when it's always catering to someone's flesh even not just because you're talking about the world or sports or news it's that's unholy conversation or because you joke it's not even about that it's about you speaking from your flesh to someone else's flesh and there's a a fleshly i don't even want to say the word but i am saying it fornication a little a fleshly orgy going on in the spirit that's what it is. I'm sorry. That's what it is. It's people are feeding each other's flesh. What do you do? What do people do when they get together? They, they're feeding. They're pleasing each other. But in the spirit, we're pleasing each other when we are always speaking according to what each other want to hear. See, God sees that as feeding idols. You're feeding, well, I'm, that person doesn't like when I speak this way or doesn't like when I talk about this or doesn't like when I do this or doesn't like when I do that. So let me make sure I please that idol. When you can't be yourself, you're pleasing an idol. You're feeding an idol. When you can't be yourself, man-pleasing is idolatry. Man-pleasing is not even just idolatry of that other person's idol, but even of yourself. And Shane had that revelation, like man-pleasing, you're man-pleasing, but really the man you're pleasing is you. Because you want people to like you, and that's why you don't, you can't be yourself. Because if I be myself, they're not going to like me. They're not going to cheer me on. They're not going to joke with me. So what? Why compromise yourself because you want to cater to everybody else? Now, if yourself is, I ain't looking that good, and you need it, then you need to repent. But if yourself is yourself, and it's with God, and it's pleasing to God, then you need to be yourself and not worry what anybody thinks or what anybody says. And if people turn against you, they need to repent. Because they might not like you because the things you say are true. They might not like you because you make, them feel, you make their flesh feel uncomfortable. But I don't want anybody's flesh to, make, to feel comfortable around me. You shouldn't want anybody's flesh to feel comfortable in the sense of, I'm not talking about like, like feeling comfortable in the sense of like, yeah, yeah, I can be myself around. No, I'm talking about that comfortable where the, 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 the dark things are able to fester and be around because I allow it, or I, I don't say anything, or because, I'm not saying go out there and cut everybody up, but don't, sometimes we ignore it because 
we just want to man please because we don't want to deal with and we and sometimes we man please because we don't want to have confrontation because thou sufferest that woman Jezebel which calleth herself a prophetess to teach and seduce my servants to commit fornication see fornication prophets committing fornication by how feeding the ones that they're prophesying feeding their flesh when we give words, see, if I came up today and came up with a word by my flesh, that's actually spiritual adultery to God. That's actually bringing seductiveness even in a sense because whatever that is, if it's not focusing on God, if it's not bringing us to God, it's bringing us to something else. And it gets us to commit fornication with that thing. Whether it be fornication with an image of going after money, some people are fornicating with the idol of money, some people, yeah, some people have a money idol and, we, and the prosperity church feeds it in a sense. Or you, you, people want to go off their career, they, want, they have this dream they want to occur and we encourage them and it's not God. There's more. There's feeding the idol again. Notwithstanding, I have a few, commit fornication and to eat things, teaching my servants to eat things sacrificed unto idols. Eat things. So there was obviously some sort of spirit. He wasn't just talking about some woman. He was talking about some sort of spirit that was operating in the church of Thyatira that was teaching everybody in the church to eat things, sacrifice on the idols, to, to please their flesh, other focuses, other doctrines, other ways, other sorts of belief that are not of God, bringing in the world's theology and the world's uh, opinion of things rather than God's. If it's not God, it's fornication to God because he says I am the I am the bridegroom I'm the one that's supposed to be pleased I'm the one that you go by my way if a woman decided to go by another man's way rather than her own husband what is she doing even God said if you lust after that person even in your own heart you already had adultery with that person sometimes we lust after being with another man or another woman in the sense of not even like in that way but in the sense of like Oh, I'd rather follow him or I'd rather follow her. You've already had, made, had adultery in your heart. You're already desiring to be with someone else. And that's the way God sees it in the Spirit. It's like, you're already desiring, this is my way, I gave it to you. This is the way of the Lord for your life personally or in the Word. And you decide another way. And then you cover it all up by saying, it's, that was Jesus. But you're really fornicating with another Jesus. You're feeding, some people call that the Spirit that they're listening to Jesus, but it's really a Jesus of their own making, it's really an idol. See, we need to discern when people are speaking Jesus, 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 this, Jesus, that. Is it the real one or is it the false Christ? Many, many false Christ shall come and deceive many. That, didn't, that doesn't just mean in the physical, that means in the spirit too. Other spirits, because Satan dresses his ministers as ministers of righteousness. They come as if they're the light, but their light is artificial. Because their light only points to physical things, but the light opens up spiritual things. See, the light of God shines stuff on things that can't be seen in the physical, but the artificial light only shines light on things that are physical. His light shines on spiritual things. The devil's light shines on physical things. It says, oh, look, you can have that. Oh, you know that moment? Oh, when it has something there. But God's like, See, we don't need to focus on physical things because seek my kingdom and all its righteousness and it will be added on to you. It's just supposed to be added on to you when you're, when you're obeying. 
So God doesn't need you to focus on that. How do I get wealth? Well, you need to repent and start sowing seeds, maybe. Well, you need to repent. Why are you not giving to God? Why are you stealing, robbing from God? Well, you need to get this. Well, you need to go after that. No, God has a destiny. God has a dream for you. What is God's dream for your life? See, we don't know. See, in the world, we were taught. See how how satanic things were. You don't even realize you were in a more satanic environment when you were growing up than you think, because those little play uh, channels. I don't even want to mention their names, but the kids' channels with the movies and the TV shows and even the little talks that they have. They were always, because what it, even what a Satanist, the Satanists, they have this motto, it's called, it says, do what thou wilt. Because if the devil, if you're feeding your flesh and you're doing, living for your own will and your own life, the devil now has charge over you. You're now the devil's child because you're doing your own will, which is really, to do your own will is to do the devil's will, actually. You don't even have to be a Satanist to be, you don't even have to be following Satan to be a Satanist. You can already be living in Satanic culture by doing pleasing yourself with everything that you can think of. But what are these shows and all these things? You don't even realize these movies. They taught you all. It's all about achieving your dreams and going after what you want and doing it. And even have these movies, these concepts of how this one overcomes. And people told him he couldn't do it, but he did it. And, And you don't even realize the agenda. And okay, they might be genuine movies, but there's some of these movies that they were meant to promote self. Because to really, to promote self is to, is to promote the devil. So when the devil's being promoted, promoted through all these mountains, the image of the beast is being implemented inside of you. But the image of the beast is really the image of you. As long as he gets you focused on you, how did he call Adam and Eve? You can be like God, Adam and Eve. He didn't say, I'm God. He said, you can be like God, right? It's all, it's all about you, but it was really about Satan. That's how Satan deceives you, is giving you what you want so he can get what he wants and he gets your soul forever and ever and ever. Satanic culture is in the church, preaching what you want, preaching, go get them, preaching, go after that job, deny that person, that person, then, then, you know, all that preaching that's roused up your flesh and giving you what you want, telling you what you want. It's Satan in their midst, they don't even realize it. But God is preaching against it. That's how you know what's of God and what's not. If the gospel that they're preaching is preaching against self, it's probably God. Because he said, before you come and follow me, you must first deny yourself. That's the preaching of the gospel. Deny yourself, pick up your cross, follow me. It didn't say, it didn't just say follow me. And that's what people are saying, follow Jesus. But they're not preaching deny yourself. And therefore, everybody's trying to follow Jesus, but they can't. Because they still have the chains of self around their wrists. They still are chained to their idol. Everybody in the world that is not saved, they all have an idol and it's self. It's their own emotions, their own feelings, their own thoughts, their own dreams and wants and lust and everything. And you feed that by feeding your lust, feeding your ways, feeding your dream, having your own agenda. See, even if you you have your own agenda, and God gave me this dream a while ago, he said, even men can have a Jezebel spirit through through doctrines and and different teachings and even agendas. When they come in and they might really want Christ to move and all that, but when they have an agenda that's of their own, they get in God's way. 
And they actually block the Holy Ghost from, from getting in the way because God's not going to pour out himself. Now, if the church says, no, we won't have this, God is going to remove that thing, that person, that, that doctrine, that thing, that spot in the feast. But a Jezebel spirit can move through somebody that's nice, but what they're doing is not from God, and it's getting in God's way. And I gave her space to repent of her fornication. Did it say I gave her space to repent of her control and manipulation? No, so Jezebel, another side of Jezebel that God's been showing me, is not just that she controls and she manipulates, it's that she tells you what you want to hear. What was she doing with Ahab? She was telling him all the lust of his flesh. Oh, I'll give you all the, the maidservants of Israel. I'll, I'll let you fornicate with them all. I'll let you serve Baal. I'll let you do this. I'll let you do... It was all about giving what Ahab wanted and not pointing Ahab back to God and saying, do what he wants. That's another sign you have when you have a Jezebel spirit, you have Jezebel around you, is that she tells you, she ministers to the lust of the flesh. She tells you what you do want to hear and not what God wants you to hear. Because why is it Jezebel too? And it actually is controlling manipulation because when, you're doing, when she gets you to focus on what you want, then guess what? You're not focused on God, what God wants now. Now, Jezebel just diverted you away from God. And now you're, now, and then God started to show me about the Jezebel sickbed. And I gave her space to repent from fornication, and she repented not. Behold, I will cast her into a bed, and them that commit adultery with her. See, them that commit adultery with her. Some people that are receiving from a Jezebel spirit, and a person that's operating in that and always telling you what you want to hear or telling you a good thing rather than a God thing. So you can tell people good things, but that doesn't mean it's a God thing. We need to tell people the word of the Lord for, the, for, for that moment, whether it's good or bad or ugly. Not a man-pleasing word. Because that's, that's actually a, Jeze a Jezebel thing right there. And it says, them that commit adultery with her. So anybody that receives it, even everybody, what is it, what is it all, all those hirelings and they take the people in, the sheep are going to be responsible too because if they were entertaining it, see, we have the Holy Spirit now, so really there's almost no excuse because, and, and God will have grace on some people, but God is going to destroy them that preach these things or, or prophesy these things and them that receive them. But what, Jezebel, and them that commit fornication with her. And may not mean hell, I don't know what it means. It might mean, well, what happened when um, Adam and Eve got kicked out of the garden. You will surely die if you eat this. Did they die? No, but they got separated. They came out of the garden. They came out of the glory. And then God started to show me about this Jezebel sickbed, about some, you may be in a Jezebel sickbed, not because you're necessarily sick in the flesh. I believe that's, 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 that's like the end result. Like, then you get start to get, but I believe actually, the sickbed actually starts with you not having the life of God in you anymore like you used to. You being void of the glory of God. See, Je in, a, in a way, Eve, and we've talked about this before, Eve Jezebeled Adam, even though she had good intentions. That's where God started to speak to me about the good intention thing. Jezebel can move through people with good intentions. Well, Eve had a good intention. Well, I want to be like God. But she was being beguiled. And Adam said no, but then he, he con she convinced him. And then... They got separated from God. 
Jezebel is going to separate you from God and get, actually make you feel separated from his presence. Some people are on a Jezebel sickbed because they, they don't even, they start to be void of his presence and glory and fire in their life. Because God is faithful to bring his presence. God is faithful to bring his glory. But when there's a Jezebel around, God will not tolerate it. So when you start to allow it in your life, you start to lose that life of God that you start to, you start to realize, oh, I don't have an unction anymore. I don't even get words anymore. How come God's not? I'm not saying there's, times there, there's different times for everything. Sometimes God is not talking to you because he's testing you. But then there's a time where people are in a sick bed and God's not talking to them because they're eating of her ta- uh, from her table. They're eating from a Jezebel table. And what is Jezebel doing? She's, go back to what it said, eating things sacrificed unto idols. Eating things, or in other words, you could say eating things sacrificed unto self. Words, dreams, visions. People that get dreams and visions that are not even of God because it, it ministers to your lust. That's even a, a Jezebel thing right there too. You might have a Jezebel spirit amongst you when you are always hearing what you want to hear. But God tells you what you need to hear. I gave her... But behold, I will cast her into a bed, and them that commit adultery with her into great tribulation, except they repent of their deeds. So he, he even gave him another layer of repentance. Not only will I give you space to repent, but I'll also put you in great tribulation that, and shake you. What is tribulation? It's like when you're on a plane, right? And the plane's shaking, like, oh, what's going on? Some people have to be shaken out of their madness, shaken out of their flesh. <clears throat> Some people's spirits are, are trapped in their flesh and they need their spirit to be shaken out. See, I want God to sift me that the devil won't sift me. So let the sifting happen. But there's always going to be that sifting. of the, the flesh is the dirt. The spirit is the gold. What do you have to do when you're gold mining? You have to separate the two. You have to sift it. We're always going to be being sifted. If you're being sifted by God, good for you. But because if you start to get sifted by Satan, that's for good. And I will kill her children with death, her children, everybody that receives from her. And all the churches shall know that I am he which searches the reins and the hearts, and I will give unto every one of you according to your works. Meaning spiritual words. They might make it, but according to their works, some will come to the throne room and all their works. They, yeah, you made it good. Well done. But your works are burned by fire because it wasn't me. It was all you. I see. I don't want to. Some people just want to make heaven. I want to make heaven proud. I don't want to make, I want to please God. I don't want God to be like, all right, just get it, just get it. All right, come on, let's go. You're in, you're in. You made it. No, I want him to be like, well done, good and faithful servant. I want him to be saying that all the days of my life. I want every day to wake up and go to sleep and him saying, well done, good and, faith, good and faithful servant. Yes, you got angry, but you overcame. Yes, you faced this. Yes, you did that, but you repented and you drank my blood. That is a heart of an overcomer. Doesn't mean... Because you, you, you're living to please God doesn't mean you won't ever make mistakes. Doesn't mean you won't ever fall. Doesn't mean you won't ever do anything wrong. But it matters what you do after that. Do you repent? Do you come to Him? Do you give it to Him? Do you forgive? Do you repent? Do you speak the truth when you don't want to? Do you do the things that He wants you to and not the things that you want to? That's well done, good and faithful servant. Why do you call me Lord when you don't do what I say? But those that do what I say, well done. Because you're a good servant. What is a servant? A servant doesn't just, isn't just a servant. I'm serving in name, but I don't do nothing. No, a servant serves. 
Well done, good and faithful servant. He did what I asked him. I told him to go get this. He got that. I told him to do this, not allow this person in. He served me. Good and faithful. He was good. He was pleasing to me. He was faithful to me. Everything I gave him, he was faithful in the little, and I made him faithful in much. But unto you I say, unto the rest of Thyatira, as many as you have not this doctrine. See, there were some people that did it, had it, that were listening to it and entertaining it, and some that were not. Which have not known the depths of Satan as they speak. I will put upon you no other burden. And then it goes on. I didn't want to go on with the whole thing with it. But then it goes on. It says, if you stand fast, if you are faithful, I will give you a, a strong staff over the earth or something like that. Basically, a staff is like authority. So this is our promise for not entertaining these things. When we're living on the cross, he starts to give us the authority of his resurrection. We start to have authority of power. Jesus started to have a different transference authority because he even changed what he looked like. He had so much authority on earth, he can even change what he looked like when he came to the disciples. That's authority. See, before there was a different, but it was like when he got resurrected, there was like another level of power on him that wasn't, may not have been there. He, start, he transfigured himself. Those disciples didn't even recognize him. And he had the authority to unveil their eyes to see, see that it was him. Because he came amongst them and was speaking to them. And they didn't even realize that it was him. But when he used his authority to open their eyes, then they saw, oh, it's you. We didn't even know the whole time. See, he has the authority. The Bible talks about he has authority now to give us revelation. When he died on the cross, everything went under his feet. See, resurrection power is the power to have authority on this earth. You want authority, but you don't want to die. But when you die, the staff is yours. That's the encouragement to die. Everybody thinks about dying. Oh, the pain. No, stop looking at the pain. Stop looking at the suffering. Look at the glory and the authority that comes from it. Don't put your... See, we got to be on the cross, but don't keep looking at the blood and all the nails. and Oh, God, it's so horrible. Look at the glory. Jesus was looking at his father still, even in that moment. Why was Jesus really grieved about going to the cross? Because he didn't want to be separated from his father. It wasn't even really about the cross, the cross. It was about, wow, I have to lay three days in the belly of the earth. I wonder what that means. Wow, I have to, father, do not forsake me. In that moment when you're dying and, and, and it hurts and bling, you almost feel like even that, you almost have that feeling like, oh, don't forsake me. No, he's not forsaking. He's putting you to the fire, but it feels like it, right? Because your flesh is raging. Every, the battle is raging. But in that moment, he delivers you when you endure. Well, don't, Father, take this cup. From, that's what we do all the time. Take this cup from me. Do I really have to die to this? All right, that, that will be done. We have to walk that walk up, to, up the hill. And that's where when you nail yourself to the cross, you're nailing your idols to the cross. When, you nail, when you're nailed to the cross, you can look up and say, there's the, car, the carved image that I made a long time ago, but now it's dead. See, when you're dying to yourself, you're dying to the images that you've been carving all this time, whether in the kingdom or, or before the kingdom. There's still some ways that we live by that, we, that we've made in our own image that God is, is killing slowly but surely. One Kings twenty one and even more thing more about that Jezebel thing. 
And it came to pass after these things, because in the beginning it was more about she was taking over the kingdom. Now let's see what happens, what she does in this instance. And it came to pass after these things that Naboth the Jezreelite had a vineyard which was in Jezreel, hard by the palace of Ahab king of Samari, Samariah. And Ahab spake unto Naboth, saying, Give me the vineyard. See, now there was lust. There was covetousness. Covetousness is lust. Lust is not just lusting for people. It's even lusting to have. Covetousness is lust. Shane has a message on that. You can go back and listen. Covetousness is lust to God because you, that's what you're all about. You're obsessed. And God calls it even sexually immoral because you're called to be with the bride, the bridegroom, and you're, want, you're obsessed with this other thing, though. Now that you have another bridegroom. How many bridegrooms do you have in your life? We should only have one. Just because it doesn't talk like the idols, right? Like the idols, he said, have no other gods before me. Your idols, they don't even talk. They can't even see. They cannot hear. And the image that you're making in your head or the money or this or that that you want, that can't talk either. Just like the the carved images, they can't talk. Neither can your fantasy and your mind talk. Because it cannot be done because it's not by God's will. And there was a lot of scriptures on idols too, and that's why I'm saying that one, because I have no other gods before me. And it was talking about, but you're really ignorant if you have other gods because they can't do anything for you. They can't talk. It's all vanity. It's all in vain. Vanity is in vain because it's, it doesn't prosper you for anything that is eternal. If it's not eternal, it's temporal. And if it's temporal, it's not worth anything, any of your time. Because what's temporal will perish. What is eternal will last forever. Remember like that song, what you're producing will last forever. I want what he produces, not what I can produce, because what I can produce will fall to the ground and die. So endure. Boast in your weakness. Boast in the storm, because in that, he's building something eternal. You say, oh God, what? Anybody, but it says, anybody that's willing to follow me must partake in my sufferings. Suffering of what? Sometimes you may not be being persecuted or you may not be having, things might be good in the natural, but inside your flesh is being tried. Your flesh is, is dying. Your flesh, and sometimes that is like a, that's like half of the other side of suffering in Christ. Sometimes you can suffer in the physical by persecution. Sometimes you could be suffering by dying and it, and it hurts to suffer, but it gets, it gets the job done. Jesus was suffering in that moment, but he got the job done. He died. Don't look at the suffering or else it'll hurt even more. Look at the end result. And Ahab came unto his house. Oh no. That I may have it for a garden of herbs. And Ahab spoke unto Naboth saying, Give me that vineyard. He had lust. Something that was not even his. And that's what Jezebel does. She gives you your lust. You're going to see here. that I, I may have it for the garden of herbs because it is near unto my house. And I will give thee for it a better vineyard than it. Or, it. or if it seem good to thee, I will give thee the worth of it in money. And Naboth said unto Ahab, The Lord forbid it me that I should give the inheritance of my father unto thee. And Ahab came into his house heavy and displeased because of the word which Naboth the Jezreelite had spoken to him. For he had said, I will not give thee the inheritance of my fathers. See, some of us are giving up the inheritance of our father in heaven because... We want a little bit of, we want a morsel. What's that? The, we want a bowl of lentils. Jacob gave up his inheritance, or no, not Jacob. Esau gave up his inheritance for a bowl of lentils. 
This guy was not, he didn't care. Oh, you can give me, see, this, this is the, the difference between Ahab. That guy was like another image of, uh, uh, opposite image of Ahab. Because Ahab was willing to take something that wasn't his. This guy was not willing to give up something that was his because God gave it to him. Because he could have traded what he had for something better. Ahab promised him a better vineyard. But he said, no, I'm not going to give up what my fathers gave to me. When the flesh comes, you need to say, I'm not going to give up what my father gave to me. I have some, when the lust of the flesh comes and Jezebel starts speaking the lust of your flesh, in, whether it's in the spirit or through a person, so you don't even realize Jezebel could be speaking to you through the, in the spirit. Oh, come on, just lift up yourself here. Oh, come on, it's, it's all about you in this situation. Oh. Come on, that's your garden. Take it. It's not Naboth's, it's, it's yours. But Naboth is like, I'm not going to give up my father's inheritance for this temporal, for this garden. This, is, this garden is more to me than just how big it is and how prosperous it is. This garden is something that was given to me by my father. So he was, he was, he was faithful to what God gave him, no matter if the devil could give him more or better. But it's not better. Because his garden will last forever. That garden that Ahab would have gave him would have... Maybe that garden is still there today. You never know. Maybe David's garden still exists. Maybe the other gardens perished. You never know. But that's what it looks like in the spirit when you don't give up God's garden for the garden of, of fornication with the devil. I will give unto thee a better vineyard than it. I will give thee that worth of the money. Naboth said unto Ahab... Oh, well, let's skip down. We said all that. And he laid upon... Upon his bed, see, now he's depressed. See, you get, God started to show me when we get in a Jezebel sick bed or we get in this thing where we want our lust and we can't have it, we get depressed. We start, what do you think? Why are you getting depressed? It's because you want to feed your flesh, but you know you can't. See, I don't want to just not feed my flesh. I don't want even the want to feed my flesh. Even the want is what you need to die to because the want is why you keep going back to it. You need to stop killing off the fruit. You need to kill the root. The root is a desire. God, fill me with your desires, not my own. Get rid of my desires that I may have your desires that I may not fulfill the deeds of my own lusts, of my desires. And he came heavy and displeased because of the word which Naboth the Jezreelite had spoken on him. For he had said, I will not give unto thee the inheritance of my fathers. And he laid him down upon his bed and turned away his face and would not eat bread. But Jezebel, his wife, see, some of you are not eating the bread from heaven because you're so depressed that you can't have your, your, the, your own desires, what you, what you want. And your own desire, and let's get this straight, your own desires and will might seem godly, but if it's not his, it's still not God's godly desires. Godly, godly desires is, is what he's saying, is, this is what I want for you particularly. You want to be an apostle, but I've called you to be this. You want to be so-and-so, or you want to be a pastor or a teacher, but I've called you this, and you're unhappy, and you won't eat the bread from heaven because God won't give you what you want. I'm talking even spiritual things. God, I want to be the center of attention now, but, it's a, but he's telling you, wait upon, and not even about being the center of attention, but some people want to have ministry now because they want, it to be, they want to be the center of attention. But they can't take it when God says, wait upon your ministry because they want it now for self. See, I will, not, I will answer what you ask, but I will not answer it according to your lusts. Some of us asking, are asking for spiritual things, and it does say ask for spiritual gifts, but some of us are asking for spiritual gifts in a lustful way because we want it to fulfill, look at me. 
That's why you, well, why does the Bible say, ask for spiritual gifts and I don't get it? Well, maybe you're not getting it because God's protecting you from blowing yourself up. Yeah, ask, but do not ask amiss. We should do a message on that. Do not ask amiss or asking amiss because many people do it all the time. But it says ask. Yeah, but your flesh is asking, not your spirit. See, we're, we want to ask so we can glorify Christ in us and, and out of us and through us so that he can be glorified. See, we glorify God when the glory, we're filled with the glory. But, you know, like that song says uh, uh, about giving the, our, how, we give, how we please him is by giving glory to him. But some people are even giving glory to him in their own way, in their own flesh. We give glory to God by being filled with his glory. When we're filled with His glory, when we're filled with His words, we glorify Him because only He can glorify Himself. He said that no flesh shall glory in my sight. So we say, we do something that we think gives God glory, and we say, oh, glory to God, glory to God. No, you didn't give glory to God because you didn't do it by the glory of God. See, when there's power, see, turn from those that have a form of godliness but deny the power. They think they're giving... Glory to God because they have a form of godliness, but they're not giving glory to God because it's not by power. I do not preach to you in word only, but in power and demonstration. See, we need to glorify God the way He wants to be glorified and lifted up, and that's by simple one simple thing, obedience. Because obedience is the only way God can pour out His glory on us, and the obedience is the only way we can let God's glory out of us. But when some of us have our own obedience... Well, I think God wants me to do this. I think God wants me to do that. But it's not God. It's still not obedience. Because it's the obedience to your own God, your own idol, your own Christ. I don't care if your idol says Christ on it. It's still an idol. If it's not the God that comes by, might, by, by His might and His power, then it's not God. I, I, God gave me a while back. When you lift something, when you're uh, uh, lifting uh, weights or something, right? And you're doing it with all your might and power. You lift it and you're doing it and you put it down and you're like, you feel so good about yourself. But what if somebody, some bodybuilder came and you're lifting 300, trying to lift 300 pounds and instead of just being there to hold the bar, he's helping you lift it up. Then you, then you start to feel, I've had that happen before and then you, you get up and you're like, okay, that was a good rep, but I don't really feel that high in myself right now because you know you didn't do it. You know somebody else helped you do it. When somebody gives you money, I'm not saying, of course, God gives to the hands of man or whatever, but like a spoiled brat that gets everything that he wants, he doesn't have this ever sense of earning anything because he's always given it. See, but when we're in the kingdom, we are supposed to be given things by God. We do it by, obviously by obedience, but we are supposed to be given by God and not have that spoiled thing, but that sense of like, I know I didn't do it, he did it. So when, we ha when we're doing it by our own might and power, there's that pride the idols fed. By the strength of our flesh, by the movements of our own might and power, our, own, our idols are even being fed in that sense. When we try to come up with things, when we try to say things, when we try to do things, break the atmosphere, do that, and we do it by the flesh, nothing, God doesn't get edified and you look stupid. That's the truth. And really, you are actually feeding your own self with that. Because if it does look good, then you feel glorified. But when it's God and it comes by the oil from heaven, when it comes by fire from heaven, you know that was God. I have praise of God because it was from God. I have praise of myself because I know it was from myself. That's how you get the genuine praise of God in your mouth is you praise Him by letting Him 
move you when he's ready to move. Moving with him. Why is this thy spirit so sad, said Jezebel? But Jezebel, his wife, came on him and said unto him, Why is thy spirit so sad, that thou eatest no bread? And, said, and he said unto her, Because I spake on the name of the Jezreel, and said unto him, Give me thy vineyard for money, or else, if it please thee, I will give thee another vineyard for it. And he answered, I, I will not give thee my vineyard. And Jezebel, his wife, said unto him, Doest thou now, dost thou now govern the kingdom of Israel? He's saying, aren't you the king? See, he's the king, but he didn't have any rights to be taking anybody's property. Does the, you know, the, the leader of a nation have power to take away somebody's property? No. But in this case, and you know, what, you know about all that, but in this case, he was trying to exhort power, that authority that he wasn't given to take somebody else's property because of his lust. I will give the... See, you're trying to take territory that's not even yours. You're trying to gain riches and, and fame and, 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 and this reality in your mind by taking it by force for your own... Not by God's force, but by the devil's force. Even Jezebel will make you... Cause see what she does here? Watch. She tries to... She takes it by force. The kingdom suffereth violence and violence by force the devil will try to make you oh you want this i'll get i'll get it or you and then he makes you rise up to to get something by manipulating it or pushing it or or trying to make it happen because i spit you're under a jezebel spirit if you are doing that you're trying to make your lust happen trying to do everything to be seen you're deceit you're 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 fornicating with that spirit because that spirit will drive you crazy. Like, no, you got to have it. And it'll, and it'll, it'll, it'll tell you, go, no, get it, get it, do it. Make it happen. Make them like you. Make this happen. Make, get this position. Push your way. Make people look, look, get, make people go down and, and you look higher than them to get it. Be jealous because you're supposed to be greater than them. Trying to go after unmarked territory that's not yours. Give me thy vineyard for money, or else if it please thee, I will give thee another vineyard for it. And Jezebel's wife said unto him, Dost thou now not govern the kingdom of Israel? Arise, eat bread, let thine heart be merry. Be happy, because you can have it. You can have the lust of your flesh. You can have it all. And let thine heart be merry. I'm trying to help you understand how this looks like, because this is what the Spirit will do. It will try to convince you that God does want you to have it. God want, does want you to like that. God does want you to go this way, even though... He already told you not to go this way or have this person. But the Je that Jezebel spirit will say, no, you can have it. It's God. Trust me. Look. And the, devil, and the devil will even use scripture to show you. Look. It says you're supposed to be prosperous. Look. It says you're supposed to have this or that. Look. It says take on to yourself a wife. But you're trying to take a wife that, you might, that you're not even called to or a husband that you're not even called to or maybe you're not even called to be married. It's, but that's, that's that spirit there. Because you think just because a Jezebel spirit controls, I mean, that's a Jezebel spirit. But a Jezebel spirit could be feeding you what everybody wants to hear. That's how she deceived Ahab, really, because he was called to be God's king, God's guy. And she, of course, because your flesh likes everything it likes. So she deceived him. Oh, I can give you this. I can give you that. By the lust of the flesh, she pulled him in. And really, she came, he came under her wing, and really she was the, ki the king or the queen bee of Israel. And she took him under, and through lust, she got him, she got him to obey her. Through lust. Baal wasn't even the, 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 the idol. She was the idol. 
her, her, what she can give him was the idol. And, but, and even deeper than that, he was his own idol because all he wanted to do was please himself. If it please thee, I will give thee another vineyard. Maybe it shouldn't have been Baal carved. It should have been Jezebel carved there. Because they weren't really bowing down to Baal. They were bowing, Baal, they were bowing down to her because she controlled the kingdom. She was providing all the women. She was providing all the drinks. She was providing all, making sure that he got Nabal's vineyard. And Jezebel, his wife, said unto him, so she wrote letters in Ahab's name and sealed them with his seal and sent the letters unto the elders and to the nobles that were in the city dwelling with Naboth. And she wrote in the letter saying, proclaim a fast. So she's getting the whole city, the whole land to turn against Naboth, a righteous man. And set Naboth on high among... Proclaim a fast and set Naboth on high. So that means like whether they put him on a cross or, or they put him like on a rope or what they did, they set him on high somehow. Or maybe they put him on a high platform. And, two, and set two men, sons of Belial, before him, Belial, to bear witness against him, a false witness, because he didn't do anything wrong, saying, Thou didst blaspheme God and the king, and then carry him out and so then carry him out and stone him that he may die. See, she was trying to take it by force. Kill him, and then you could just take the land. Kill your spirit so that your flesh could just have everything it wants. And the men of his city, even the elders, that's why people want to stone the prophets, because they want to stone the voice of God that's coming against the lust of their flesh. They can't stand. Why, do, why does the world hate me, Jesus said? Because I tell it its deeds are evil. They don't hate me just be, They love me when I do miracles, but they hate me when I speak truth. Because they, they listen to that Jezebel spirit that gets their flesh, gives it what the flesh wants. That's why they hated Elijah. That's why you're going to see they hated Micaiah too. And even against Naboth, and in the presence of the people saying, Naboth did blaspheme God, a false accusation, because he didn't blaspheme nobody, and the king... Then they carried him forth out of the city and stoned him with stones and that, that he died, that he died, so he died. They killed Nabal with stones because of a, an unjust cause. Then, because they wanted the field. Then they sent to Jezebel saying, Nabal the stone and is dead. And it came to pass when Jezebel heard that Nabal was stoned and was dead, that Jezebel said to Ahab, Arise, take possession of your vineyard. Take possession of what you want. See, I got the prophet out the way. I, I made him feel like, I made him go into his little Elijah cave. And now, see, look, you can have the, everything you want. God's not mad at you. He loves you. God is such a good God, isn't he? He gives you everything he wants. That's what they do out in the religious church. He's such a good God. Just praise him and you'll get the blessing. You don't have to do anything about it. Don't listen to those people that say, you got to die. you got to do this. Jezebel's teachings. And it even talks about later in that one scripture. I didn't finish the whole scripture in Revelation for time. But that doctrine, that doctrine of Jezebel. She teaches my children to eat things, sacrifice on the aisles. She teaches my children to fornicate with other things, with other teachings, with other words, prophetic words. Oh, you're, I see this, I see that, I see that. Praying for praying prayers that are to feed your flesh. You got to not be afraid to tell people the truth or else you can end up like a Jezebel prophet yourself. Those, all those old prophets that spoke what they, everybody wanted to hear, they were being used. It was like a Jezebel spirit. 
Because those prophets were turning everybody into Ahabs instead of crucifying the things that God wanted out of the way. Then they sent to Jezebel, then which he refuses to give thee for money, for Naboth is not alive but dead. And it came to pass when Ahab heard that Naboth was dead, that Ahab rose up to go down to the vineyard of Naboth the Jezreelite and to take possession. And let's skip down then because then it goes into Elijah and then it talks about then God raises up Elijah and says that the same place where they nicked, they licked, the dogs licked Naboth's blood is the same place they're going to lick Jezebel's blood too. Because he's going to make sure that she's taken out. Because God is not, God, he said, I will have no other gods before me. And, and that Jezebel spirit is not going to get in the way and make you serve any other thing than me. Any other way, any other mindset. I'm going to make sure I war with it. 24, and he he that dieth of Ahab of the city, the dogs shall eat. And he, oh, maybe this is the one. In the field shall the fowls eat. But there was none like on the Ahab, which did sell himself to work wickedness in the sight of the Lord. Sell, sold himself. Gave up who he was called to be in God. Gave up his kingsmanship in God. Gave up God's approval. Just like Saul. Gave up God's, what God, pleasing God to please men. Whom Jezebel, his wife, stirred up. That spirit will stir up your lust. And he did very abominably in following idols. See, idols. Idols. That garden was an idol. That All the lust of the flesh. Idols. According to all, it didn't just say, because he was really bowing down the one idol, but really he was bowing down the many idols because he had many lusts. How many lusts do you have? That's how many idols you have. Whether it looks spiritual or physical. According to all things as did the Amorites who the Lord cast out before the children of Israel. Let's go to 1 Kings 22. And the funny thing is, we're going to go to this one, but this, is, this was, what was this other one? This was 21. So look at this last part in 21, and then we're going to go to Kings 22. See is how thou, Ahab, Humbleth himself before me. See, after all that, Ahab humbled himself after he heard that what of what he of what he really did when God made him recognize what he was doing. Because he humbleth himself before me, I will not bring evil in his days, but his son's days I will bring evil upon his house. And watch what happens after this. This is the next chapter. 1 Kings 22, 7 through 18. And Jehoshaphat said, Is there not here a prophet of the Lord besides that we might inquire of him? And the king of Israel said unto Jehoshaphat, There is yet one man, Micaiah, the son of Imlah, by whom we may inquire of the Lord. But I hate him. Ahab saying, I hate him. Why? For he did not prophesy any good concerning me. Was the prophet not prophesying from God? No. He was prophesying from God. But because he didn't like what was being prophesied, it was called either negative or not good, or evil. See, they will, in, in the last days, even in the church, they will turn the, good thing, the evil things good and the good things into evil. What comes from the Lord, they will say, you are being a troubler of Israel. I've, I've heard that one said before. You're a troublemaker to the church. No, we're, we're a troublemaker to the devil. That's why you think you're saying that. Even Jezebel said something like that to Elijah. You're the troublemaker of Israel, Elijah. No, he was speaking for God and he was shaking up the kingdom that wasn't of God, even though it called itself of God. 
Prophets come to shake things that people wouldn't fall asleep and that they would be awake. Because what puts us to sleep is our idols. Because it puts us to sleep from God. You may not be asleep in the natural, but you might be asleep being busy with other things that God had not called you to. Then the king of Israel called. But he's not speak good concerning the evil. And Jehoshaphat said, let not the king say so. He's like, no, I insist. Let's get him. I don't think he will. He was wrong. He was going to obey God. No way he was going to obey the king. See, when you're speaking with people, what people want you to say, you're obeying them and not God. Then the king of Israel called an officer and said, Hasten hither Micah, the son of Imlah. And the king of Israel, Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, sat each one on his throne, having put on their robes in a void place in entrance of the gate of Samaria. And all the prophets, proph prophets prophesied before them. And Zedekiah, the son of Chenin, Chenah, I don't know how to say that, made him horns of iron. And he said, say, Thus saith the Lord, with these shalt thou push the Syrians until thou have consumed them. See, false prophecy here. Speaking what they want to hear. Jezebel. Feeding their idols. Making Ahab an idol. Why? Because they knew Ahab would promote them if they would speak. And the way ba Balak was, trying, was going to promote Balaam in the sense of giving him things, and that's what, he, what was the condition. If you give me all your gold and silver, I will do it. And the messenger that was gone to call Micaiah spake on him, saying, Behold now, the words of the prophets declare good unto the king with one mouth. See, look, Micaiah, they're all speaking good, so make sure you say something good. Let thy word, I pray thee, be like the word of one of them, and speak that which is good. So he's basically saying, feed Ahab's idol, please. And Micaiah said, as the Lord liveth, what the Lord says unto me, I will speak it. So he came to the king, and the king said unto him, Micaiah, shall we go against Ramoth Gilead to battle, or shall we forbear? Because they were going to battle. They wanted to know what was going to happen. What was God saying about it? Or shall we go forbear? And he answered, go and prosper, for the Lord shall deliver it unto that, the, hand, the hand of the king. And the king said, unto him, how many times shall I adhere, adjure, adjure, A-D-G-U-R-E, what is that? Adjure. adjure thee that thou tell me nothing but that which is true in the name of the Lord. And he said, I saw all of Israel, this is Micah speaking, I saw all of Israel scattered in the hills. As the sheep that have not a shepherd, and the Lord said, These have no master. Let them return every man to his house in peace. He's saying that they're all scattered. They have no king because they didn't have a king because Ahab wasn't a real king from God. So everybody was scattered in their own little fantasy world of idols, own little place because Ahab wasn't a faithful king of God. You see, you can't bring the people of God with false unity. And they try to bring false unity and everybody... Just tolerate everybody's spirits. Tolerate everybody's lust. Okay, you like the seven... Well, come on anyway. Let's come on and have you up here in the conference. Oh, well, you... False... Oh, you know what? We need a little... Come on. Come on in here. That's what they do because really, they, don't, they might not like what they, so much what they say, but they know that it draws things, people to the conference. So then they partner. That's why you see these weird preachers together. It's like, that's... Why they, false grace preacher and a legalistic guy. That don't make any sense. 
Because they, they know that's what draws the people. That's what's going to get them more money. I thought those guys didn't like each other. All of a sudden, they like each other now. Now they're preaching. Money. Gain. Profits of gain. Gainsayers. Let them return every man to his house in peace. And the king of Israel said unto Jehoshaphat, Did I not tell you thee that he would not prophesy any good concerning me but evil? He was just prophesying the truth, but they will call the truth evil now. And they do it in the church all the time. And we do it. And every time we persecute the truth, it's because we're protecting our idol. When somebody tells you the truth, it's because you're standing in front of something that God is displeased with. Colossians 3.5, and, and we'll do Exodus, and then we're going to finish. Mortify your members which are upon the earth. Fornication, uncleansliness. Listen to these four. Uncleansliness, fornication, inordinate affection, evil conspicuous, and covetousness is all what? Which is idolatry. All these things to please yourself, to, to all these evil conspicuous, the covetousness, wanting something, wanting authority. It's idolatry. Inordinate affections, being obsessed with something or someone. Obsessed with a relationship that God has not given you in this, in this season, whether it be a friendship or a marriage or a person or a situation. Inordinate affection. It's idolatry. Everybody could stand up. Exodus 20, 3 through 5. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall make, not make yourself an image or a form or form, form of godliness. And in in, you shall not make any form or image. doesn't matter if you're not doing it in the flesh or you're doing it in the spirit, in your mind. Trying to conform your mind to your, your own ways and thinking. See, we need to when, when you come up to the altar today, Think about the images and forms. Ask God to show you the images and forms that you've made up in your own mind so that you can smash them to pieces today. I'm not saying any, none of us, I'm not saying all of us have something, but all of us walk out today with idols, with pieces of idols smashed on the floor. Smash them to pieces so that no one even can feed it because when they're smashed, no one can even feed that lust because it doesn't even live in you anymore. See, I don't even want to be tempted because it says that you're tempted because you're lured away by your own lust and desires. So when I kill those lusts and desires, I, don't, I can't even be tempted of it anymore. See, that's, what, that's, when, that's when you get in the real temptations. Because the, the, the kingdoms of this world, because Jesus will reign one day. So the devil tried to deceive him and say, you could have the kingdoms of this world. Because he knew, but Jesus had to remember, that's, he, that's already going to be his. But everything has to go down. The, Battle of Armageddon, all these things has to go down. He has to destroy the devil before he can have that. So the devil tried to deceive him, deceive him to get it now. Or like we talked about before, like, see, when you get out of the regular temptations and things, then the devil tries to, because you know you're called to ministry, but the devil tries to make, have you make it happen now. Why don't you go partner with these, because, you know, there's these guys on Facebook, they're all, $5,000 and I get you a big crusade, 5,000 5, people, and you might not even be called to be doing it. But they'll just get anybody there because they want money. They'll make you come. They'll get, I've, I've seen people like weird people going and they have their name on a poster because they have ministry lust. And it's like you got, might have a ministry that you're called to. And we're not talking about, when you say ministry, we're not always talking about name ministries like that, that ministry. That, no, but even like the, the, the office that you carry is a ministry in a sense. 
Like the, Jesus didn't have a name to his ministry, but his life was a ministry. Paul's life was a ministry. He didn't, he didn't, he didn't call it Paul Christ Ministries. He was just Paul, and he had a ministry, and his ministry was everything that was coming from heaven through him to the people. But you might have, the devil might tempt you and be like, you're called a ministry. Come on, go get it right now. Go get it. Go get Naboth's garden right now. Take it by force. See, we're taking the kingdom by force, but the devil, Jezebel will make you take things of the flesh by force and to make it happen. See, you need to change your force. You need to change your force to taking the things of God and not the things that the devil promises you. False hope. False dreams. False, that's another, another big thing is false hope. Faith is the substance of things hoped for. Of what things? The things of God. Not what you hope for. Not your things. When we have our own false hope, why? It's because we wanna, we're hoping that something can happen, but it's false because it's not going to happen because it's not God's will. So in a sense, that false hope is even feeding your idol because it's something of your own that you want to happen for your purposes. and not When we have our own purposes, we're warring against God's purposes in our life. Image or form of anything in heaven above or on earth beneath or in the waters below. In heaven above or on earth below. In the spirit and in the natural. You shall not bow down to them or worship them. And how did, how did God say we worship them? We worship, them in, we worship God in spirit and in truth. Jesus said, my meat is to do the will of the Father, right? Well, Jezebel's meat is to do your own will. Not bow down and worship them. We, bow, we worship Jesus in spirit and in truth. Well, when you, bow, when, you worship, when you walk in your own spirit, when you hear your own truth or come up with your own truth, you're worshiping your idols in spirit and in truth, but that's, it's another spirit, another truth. Let every man be a liar, but God be true. I, the Lord, your God, am a jealous God. He's jealous for every part of us, and I thank you, God, that you drew the line today. You're drawing the line today for the body of Christ, and you're saying, I will not have these, these fantasies in your mind anymore. He even talks about, in the Old Testament, it talks about vain fantasies or something like that. It talks about they have all these vain imaginations in their heart. Father, we cast down every imagination and every high thought that exalts itself above the knowledge of God. Above not only the knowledge of God for truth, but the knowledge of God of what I know that God wants me to do. See, that's where, God, that's where the devil can trick you. Is he can say, well, you're doing everything according to the Bible, but go do this for your own personal life. Go do that for your own personal life. See, he's got you thinking the right way, but... See, you need to obey the, the will of God for even personal things. Where does he want me to work? Where does he want me to do? Who does he want me to be with? And that's where the devil gets you. Well, you're living the world. You're not doing that. You're not doing this. You're doing that right. You're doing that right. So go do this. But what is the will of God for my life? How do you want me to think, God? Because I don't want my thoughts to be idle thoughts. I don't want to have idle hands. But I want to, I want to be your hands and feet on the earth. Father, release your glory. Father, release. Oh, I thank you, Lord, that the blood is here. The blood is right here. Cups. I see many cups of blood right here. You don't have to suffer another day with these things. You can swallow them and let them be smashed into pieces. Father, I don't want to be on a sickbed because of my idols. 
because the sick bed is being apart from you. When Adam and Eve got tossed out of the, out of the, out of the garden, they were spiritually sick because they lost the glory of God. Father, I don't want to lose your glory. I want your glory. I want your presence. If I don't have your glory, I will not go, Father. Just like Moses said. If I don't have your glory, I cannot live. For in him I live and breathe and have my being. If I don't have your breath, I'm suffocating. Oh, Father, we smash our idols to pieces. Today we get it done. We're going to do it in the spirit, Father. We're going to not just hear the word. We're going to do it. We're going to take out the hammer of your word, Father. And we're going to smash the idol of self in Jesus' mighty name.